Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm honored to be here. We're finishing up a series that we're calling March. And here at BC, March is not just a month, but it is a military command. And uh, I love this quote from Levi Lesko, that church was never meant to just be an audience, but it was meant to be an army. And so today we're going to talk about something that I think actually every single person that is within the sound of my voice, we have all dealt with it if we've been at a church for longer than a week, okay? So I think this is going to be incredibly helpful. And I want to start by saying this, I love church. I just do. I'm a church kid. Do I have any people that grew up in church? Uh, like, this is kind of lightweight to you that we have a service that's an hour and 15 minutes because you remember the days when services were two and a half, three hours, and then we didn't just have one service a week. No, we were extra saved. We had three services a week, you know? And uh, I love church. I, when I'm not at church, I don't know about you, but I feel it. I miss it. I miss you. When you're not at church, I miss you. And um, all that being said, as amazing as church is, can we all agree that church isn't perfect? Uh, it, it certainly isn't, right? And uh, I'll tell you a quick story. About five years ago, we were, we were actually just, just starting BC Boardman, and uh, it was such an exciting time, and we had new people, of course, showing up to check it out. And there was this one day in particular, uh, this man who came once. I don't think he's ever been back since. He was a visitor. I want you to know that for this story. He came, and he made a point to come up to my wife in the lobby, and he wanted to make sure that he told her how much he loved worship, which was really nice. And so comes up to her, says a few words, gives her an extra really long handshake. You know, one of those handshakes where you're like, all right, we can let go now. Just kept shaking your hand as he had the conversation. Well, a couple minutes go by, and one of the guys from our worship team comes backstage, and he, he kind of looks pale, and he's like, hey, you're never going to believe what just happened. I was in the restroom, and I watched someone use the facilities— and walk straight past the sink and right into the lobby. And, um, and so gossip is never okay, I wanna say that. But in some moments, in order to spare people of shaking hands of those who do not wash their hands, it, it might be appropriate. And so uh, we were like, all right, what's, you know, what's he look like? So we make sure we, we hug him or something. And, and uh, so they started to describe what he looked like. And, and as Aaron heard the description, she started to realize this is the exact man that just gave me an extra long handshake in the lobby. And I say that for two reasons. One, as a PSA, guys, come on, we're better than that. Let's wash our hands. But secondly, and, and more importantly, I think this is just a funny, small example of a much bigger problem, a much bigger challenge that all of us are going to have to work through. Because if you've been in a church, like I said, longer than five minutes, it's not a matter of if you're hurt or if you're wounded or if you're offended. It's when, right? Like it will happen. And so this isn't a new problem. It's been around a long time. I'll take you back to Psalm 55. This is David, the psalmist, and he's talking about what we would now call as church hurt. Our culture has labeled it as church hurt. And this is what he says. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. Sounds to me like David's got some church hurt. And so here's what I wanna talk about today. As we're in this military series, I wanna talk about what do we do when the place that's supposed to help us and heal us becomes the place that hurts us? Like what do we do with friendly fire in the army of God? How, how do I handle church hurt? And so the title of my message is Friendly Fire, 
But then the subtitle is this, help, I have church hurt. Help, I have church hurt. And I'm just gonna invite you to do this. Maybe you couldn't make it in today or maybe you don't even attend church because of some church hurt. Can you click share real quick? Maybe you know somebody that could use this message. I think it's gonna encourage you. It's gonna help you walk through this. And I believe God's gonna do some cool things today over just the next few minutes. Now, in order to get where we're going today, I just wanna make a quick comparison. I think church is an awful lot like a hospital. Like Jesus said this in Mark 2, 17, he said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. And so church ought to be a hospital where hurting people can come, right? And, and so let's just follow this analogy. If Believer's Church were a church or, or a hospital, what would we be called? Uh, I don't know, how about St. Joe's? You like that? I might be biased, but I think that's a pretty good name. So we'll just say that we're St. Joe's. And I wanna just walk you through three things that happen at a hospital, every hospital, and they also happen at a church. And I think this will help us kind of lay a foundation for where we're headed today. Here's the first one. At every hospital, many are diagnosed and helped. Would we all agree that as imperfect as hospitals are, the vast majority of people that walk into a hospital, they walk in and they're hurting or they're broken, something's missing, something's not right. And then they are diagnosed and they're treated and they're sent on their way better than they walked in. And the same happens with church. I mean, the vast majority of church, really, it reminds me a lot of a hospital. It reminds me a lot of triage. You know, triage was this thing invented by the French military, and it was designed to help sort the, the wounded and help them get the best course of treatment on the battlefield. And church is really like that. We're on the battlefield of life, and we're coming into church, and some of us come in with a spiritual splinter, some of us come in with the spiritual broken bones, spiritual cancer, whatever you wanna say, there's varying degrees. But I can tell you as a pastor and someone in ministry, I'm constantly assessing, and all of us are, how can we help people? How can we get them on the road and the path to healing? This is why we say we have four steps in, in our process of discipleship here. We want you to know God. But then secondly, after you know God, we want you to find freedom. Find healing for your hurts and your traumas, for those wounds that you've gotten on the battlefield. And then ultimately that will lead to you discovering your purpose and making a difference. And, and I can tell you that some of you came in on spiritual life support because you've told me that. Uh, some of you came in and you were like on death's door spiritually and God resurrected and revived you. Some of you arrived healthy from another church. We're all at different ends of the spectrum, but that's the first category. Many are diagnosed and help. Here's the second. Some receive bad care with good intentions. This happens all the time at hospitals, right? A doctor, uh, he's practicing medicine, right? He's trying his best, she's trying her best. And, and sometimes what they think will happen, what they think will help you, isn't what helps you. And so unintentionally, sometimes there is pain, there, there is trauma, there's wounding that happens at a hospital. And the same goes for a church. I've only been at this ministry thing about 16 and a half years, but I can tell you even in my short times, my short 16 years by comparison to my parents, 40 years and others, um, I do things differently today than I did even 10 years ago. I do, I, think, I do things differently than five years ago. And so I just wanna say thank you for letting me practice on you. I appreciate that. We're all growing, right? That's the, that's the idea that, that we're growing and we're learning and we're figuring it out as we go. And so some people receive bad care with good intentions, but here's the third category. Some receive bad care with bad intentions. 
we would call this malpractice at a hospital or a doctor's office. This is when they don't provide the expected standard of care or harm or injury is caused. This is when they fail to uphold their Hippocratic oath. This is, this is when a doctor or someone in the medical field fails you and hurts you. And let me just draw the comparison with a quick list of what might happen in a church. With church leaders, maybe it was a betrayal of trust. Could be church leaders misusing or abusing their power their authority, their, their finances. And it seems like trust is at an all-time low in the institution of the church, and maybe rightfully so, huh? Because it just feels like every other day there's a new article, there's a new scandal, there's a new thing that's coming out in the news, and it can be very easy to become cynical and jaded and, and feel like this is just common, this is, what, this is what everybody does. Maybe you were wounded by the words of a leader or a pastor that you really respected, that you really cared about. They mistreated you and it really did some damage. Maybe it was twisting scripture to benefit themselves. I know people that are recovering from that today. Maybe it's gaslighting, just refusing to admit that you even went through pain at their hands. And so whatever it is, I just wanna, I wanna say this. I am so sorry, full stop. If, if you experience pain in that way, if you were hurt in a church, especially through abuse or something like that. I'm so sorry that that happened to you today. And some of us, I'm just gonna encourage you, some of you might need counseling for that. And so here at BC, we can connect you with the right people, uh, but that's part of why we exist. And so my encouragement to you today is just take this in because I think God can bring some healing for the hurt that you've received. And I wanna make an important distinction real quick. All spiritual abuse is church hurt, but not all church hurt is spiritual abuse. And so we have to kind of make that differentiation here. And I want to real quick, before we jump in any further to the message, I just want to talk about what church hurt is not. In order to deal with church hurt, let's talk about what it isn't real quick. And I broke this into three categories as well. The first thing that church hurt is not is a difference in opinion. It's a difference in opinion. Now, in a church this size or a church of 20 people, for that matter, you are going to have probably 20 different opinions depending on the topic. Like if I were to ask you, if I just went up and down the row at each campus and I just asked you, hey, what song did you like today in, in the worship time? Uh, you would probably tell me real quick, I like this song, but I didn't care for this one song, you know? And that's okay. Everybody has opinions. Everybody has preferences. Maybe let's just put it in this category. Some of us, we don't even attend a certain church in the area, but we just got an opinion about that church, you know? I don't like how that pastor acts. I don't like the way that he preaches. I don't agree with his stance on that one thing. Or maybe it's just because I grew up in this tradition and we used to do communion this way and, and we did our baptisms that way and I don't care for how they do that at this church and I don't like how they have the carpet and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't decorate the sanctuary that way. And I want to just say that you have permission to have your preferences at Believer's Church. That's okay. Here's where we have to be careful. We want to make sure that we don't conflate that with church hurt. And we want to make sure that we don't make little things big things, right? And so... Church hurt has to be a little bit bigger than a difference of opinion. How about this one? Maybe it's a, disagree a disagreement. We live in a culture that doesn't seem to know how to disagree without being disagreeable, right? And then kind of the false idea that our culture presents us is when we disagree, we've got to disconnect from people. But if you look at the way God challenges us in Scripture, when we disagree, he doesn't say disconnect. He says, dig in deeper, Dig into that relationship, walk through it together. And so it's gotta be bigger than a disagreement. I always think about in my house growing up, 
The best way that I grew in maturity was that God stuck me under the same roof with my brother and my sisters. And I probably caused more growth in them than they did in me, right? Um, I was usually the offender as the oldest child. But I can tell you, it's like when you're stuck with the family, it's like all you can do is grow through it. You can go through it or you can grow through it. And the same happens in a church family. God sticks you with some spiritual brothers and sisters. And it's usually the people that grow on you that cause the most growth in you, you know? Maybe you ought to just look at your neighbor and thank them for the spiritual growth they've caused you, right? This is how God uses husbands and wives and, and business partners. He, he works through disagreement. Here's the third one, doctrine. These are beliefs that are taught by the church from the Bible. And I just wanna make this point because it's important. Sometimes the word of God is offensive. It can bring an offense. And so we have, to, we have to recognize that that's not quite the same thing as church hurt. Like, this is what First Peter says in chapter 2. The very stone which the builders rejected, speaking of Jesus, he has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling. And look at this, and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they disobey the word of God or the doctrine, the scriptures. And to this, they who reject him as Savior were also appointed. In our culture... There's kind of this vein of Christianity where we see him as kind of like hippie Jesus, like Jesus is love, man. And he would never tell you to stop doing that. He would, that's mean. That's not love. And, and I think we have to realize that Jesus in his love says hard things. He speaks truth to us. And that's not trauma, right? That's, that's a loving God who wants to help us walk through our relationship with him. I came to the determination a long time ago in my walk with God. If I'm going to be wounded, let me be wounded by the word of God. If I'm going to be offended by anything, let me open up the scripture and say, God, change me to look like this. Don't change this to look like me. And so this is just an important thing we, we need to point out as we're having this conversation. If we could go back to like churches as hospitals, I think of one of my favorite shows, My 600-Pound Life. And if you've ever watched this show, Dr. Now, he's pretty ruthless, huh? And what's happening is there are these people that are eating themselves to death. And he's kind of like the last person that can speak life to them be before it's over. And so they weigh themselves and they sit in this room and his conversation usually looks like this. Hey, the scale doesn't lie. You're going to die if you don't stop eating cheeseburgers and fries and pies. And he doesn't have a great bedside manner, by the way. He just delivers the truth. And so they could react in a couple different ways. One, they could receive the correction. They could receive it and it would bring life to them. And even though it's really hard to hear, it could heal them. Or you know what they could say? And sometimes they, they do. They could say, I can't, but I, I have never been talked to that way in my life. You know what? I have hospital hurt, you know? I'm getting a second opinion. And you know what? Sometimes they can go to a second, third, fourth doctor and find a doctor that will say, you can eat cheeseburgers and fries and pies. We'll just medicate you, you know? But how does that end for them? And so ultimately, this is what God wants to do in our lives through the local church. We would say to somebody that had that posture that there's a difference between a doctor hurting us and hurting our feelings with the truth, right? And it's the same in a relationship with God. And one day everything will be weighed on the scales of God's word. And here's, here's our heart at Believer's Church. We would rather you have an awkward moment here for just a moment on earth than an awkward eternity. We'd rather you experience a little bit of pain from the truth now than have a painful eternity because we didn't tell you what Jesus said and what really matters. And so all of that said, that's what church hurt is not. 
I really do want to talk to the person that would say, Joe, I have some church hurt. I have some legitimate things that have happened to me and it's eaten me alive. And I don't, I don't know how to sleep at night and, and it's kind of ruined me for church. And I'm considering leaving church and never coming back, to be honest with you. I have I've those conversations all the time. And so I just want to give you a couple of ways that you can handle church hurt. Here's the first one. Number one, we have to see offense for what it is. We have to see offense for what it is. If, if you're just joining us in this series, can I just give a plug for week number one in particular? Pastor Joe preached a message called Know Thy Enemy. And really all that he was doing is he was just sharing with us the devil's MO. This is his strategy. And if we can know his strategy, then we can ultimately defeat him and we can get the victory. And so we have to remember that we're in a battle. We're in a war. And if you look in any battle throughout history, one of the first things that an enemy will attempt to do is to scramble communications. If he can get your army, your military to stop talking to each other, that's half the battle, right? And so the enemy does this in our lives as well. I'm, I'm in fact convinced that he doesn't so much need to strengthen his army and his side. He just needs to weaken ours. He knows how unstoppable a unified church is. And so he comes in with division and, and he comes in with offense and all kinds of stuff that will stop us and hinder us from living out the call that God has on our life. And here's the tragedy. I wonder how many moves of God have been taken out, not by the shots of the enemy, but by friendly fire instead. Makes me think of uh, this battle. Most of us have heard of it in school, the French and Indian War. This is in 1758. It's before America has fought the revolution. So George Washington, he's actually, he's fighting for the British side. And it's this foggy day. And he sees this military coming in the distance. And he can't see, he can't make out who they are. And they're kind of at this stalemate. And finally, they start to open fire on each other. Well, when all of the dust had settled and the fog had cleared, they realized that these were the reinforcements that were actually sent to help them and they had killed each other. I think this is what the enemy does in our life. There's a fog of offense and it blurs our vision and we view our ally as our enemy. I mean, I think it breaks the heart of God and I really believe, I'm convinced that the devil's best offense is offense. This is how he works in our life. And I felt this really strong in my heart going into this weekend. I prayed a lot for this day because I get the sense, you see this every, every so often, maybe every five, 10 years, God's getting ready to do some really cool things. And I'm just talking in particular to Believer's Church today. We're turning 40 and we're not over the hill. Like when you hear the vision that's coming and what we're doing, it is not for addition, it is for multiplication. And not just the multiplication of Believer's Church, but the kingdom of God. And I really believe that the quickest way to stop multiplication is division. This is how the devil works. And so today, I just want to get us thinking along those lines to see offense for what it is. For some of us, division might look like gossip. And I don't know if it's the Italian in me. I've always heard my dad say this is kind of an Italian trait, but I think it's just like a human trait too. But I don't know what it is about me. I just love hearing the juice. Like if I, if, if somebody's going to spill the tea, I'm here for it. You know, like my flesh. Okay. I'm not saying I do it all the time, but at my very worst, in my ugliest, I enjoy hearing bad things about other people. Can y'all pray for me? You know, you're thinking it too, though. Is there something it does in you? And, and, and years ago, God just started leading me to passages like this. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36. 
I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. That's sobering. How about James 1.26? Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceives themselves and their religion is worthless. Well, it can even come in the form of unforgiveness. Proverbs 18, 19, a brother or sister offended is harder to be one than a strong city and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. And anybody that has been hurt and wounded, it's human nature to build a fortress around yourself and say, I'm not gonna let that happen again. And so what we start to do is we build these walls, these prison walls, and they keep the pain out, but they also keep the good out too. And so we have to see offense for what it is. Here's number two, go to them, go to them. You know, we tend to think of the early church because they were with Jesus and they saw him do these miracles and, and they saw him crucified and they saw him raised from the dead. You kind of tend to think that they didn't have these issues and they never fought with each other and they never had conflict, right? But it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, it's well-documented all throughout the New Testament. They struggled they had conflict. They were offending each other left and right. Church hurt was present. And Jesus actually talks about this before he ascends into heaven. And what I love about the early church is when they got offended, they didn't go from like Corinth first Baptist to Corinth second Baptist, right? Like they were stuck with each other. They're like, my roots are too deep to run away from this. I'm gonna dig into this. And, and Jesus would say things like this in Matthew 18. This is what you do if one of your brothers or sisters sins against you, go to him on Facebook or Instagram and call them out on their sus behavior. Okay, I'm sorry, I added that. No, 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 he just says, go to him in private and tell him just what you perceive the wrong to be. And if he listens to you, you've won a brother. But sometimes he will not listen. And if he does not listen, go back and take a friend or two with you. And then it escalates to a third scenario. You can read that on your own. But I, I wanna just help you pinpoint who you are. Some of us, we're more conflict people, and we tend to skip over step one and two and go straight to three. Kick them out, never talk to them again, blacklisted, unfollow, whatever it might be. And some of us are conflict avoidant, and we don't try any of these steps. We just avoid them at all costs. But there's a balance in the middle. What Jesus is saying is go to them. He says something similar in Matthew 5, 24. He says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. This is interesting. He says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. That was a big deal. If you read in those days, sacrifices were not taken lightly, but he says, actually leave your sacrifice at the altar. And what does he say? Go to them, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Why? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. And sometimes God's wanting to do something in your relationships with people and we can get religious about it and we could we could be offering our worship to God, but cursing our brother or our sister on the side. And God's saying, no, no, no. Actually, the very way that I can tell that I'm alive in you and I'm working in your life is how you love your neighbor, how you walk through conflict. So you gotta go to them. Now, this might be a point where you wanna take your notes app out or when you rewatch this later and you wanna spend some more time. I'm just gonna give you a list because you're probably thinking like, how do I know if church hurt is affecting me? So let me just help you narrow it down. And can I ask you, apply this. Some of us are walking through unforgiveness for some really difficult things that don't involve necessarily church, but they're affecting every part of our life. 
we've gone through some really painful things at the hands of another person. Filter those through this list as well, all right? So how do I know if church hurt is affecting me? Does it still pop up in regular conversation? If I hear that person's name, does my eyes start to twitch? If I hear them mentioned in a positive light, do I feel the need to put them down? <laughs> Done that many times. Do I find myself replaying the events that happened over and over again? Does it keep me up at night? Do small disagreements cause severe anxiety or surges of adrenaline? Do I feel like I'm in fight or flight mode all the time? Anybody ever been there? Man, then, then church hurt might be, might be a struggle. Oh, here's a good one. Do I find myself avoiding the offender at all costs? Would I go out of my way not to see them in public? I call it the grocery store test. You know, like if I see them in that aisle, am I like booking it to the register or am I going to say hi? Here's a funny one. Do I fantasize about telling them off? Oh, if I saw them again, I'd give them a piece of my mind. I should have said this. You ever just, you're laying in bed, 2 a.m., you're like, oh, that would have been so good. Why didn't I say that? Has the pain I received become pain I am giving to others? Have I become cynical? Have I become jaded? Am I allowing my past pain to stop me in my present purpose? I served for years at my last church, but I learned my lesson. I let people in before, but I won't make that mistake again. Then church hurt might be something we need to bring to God. And the reality is he wants to help us. Here's the third and final one. The third thing that I believe God is asking us to do as we walk through dealing with forgiveness, unforgiveness, is this. Let forgiveness set you free. Let forgiveness set you free. And actually, we're, we're going to end the message here in just a moment, and the band's going to come up. We had three songs on the front because we're going to do something powerful at the end. And we've been praying for this moment for a while. At every campus, you're going to begin to see the band get to this stage, and we're just going to we're going to do something that I believe will bring some serious healing. But I want to say this. As we look at this last point, let forgiveness set you free. In Matthew chapter 18, right after Jesus says, go to them, there's something interesting that the disciples are trying to find the line of how many times do I need to forgive somebody? And they think they have this great answer. Jesus, what if we forgive them seven times? They're so proud of themselves, you know. That's God's number, by the way. You know, like that's got to be the right answer. And he goes, no, no, no. Seven times 70. In other words, an infinite amount of times. You can never run out of forgiveness enough. Then he goes on. This is all in the same chapter. He goes on to share this parable. And it's about the unforgiving servant. This is fascinating. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A king came and he came to call on the debts of his servants. And the first, the first servant that he went to owed him this massive amount. Like the Bible describes it as 10,000 bags of gold. In today's currency, it would be close to $7 billion. In other words, you ain't never paying that back. And so the king says, if you don't pay it back, I'm gonna put you in prison and you'll have to work it off until you can pay it, which meant he would have been in prison the rest of his life. And so the servant says, please forgive me, give me grace, give me mercy. And so the king actually gives him mercy and says, you are forgiven and I no longer hold that debt against you. Now get this. Then that same servant turns around and goes and finds another servant that owes him 100 bags of silver. Get this. It, it would have been the equivalent of $5,000 in today's currency. 
Not a lot. And he says, until he chokes him and he says, until you can pay me, you're going to prison. And the servant begs him for mercy and he says, no, no, no. No, not you're going to work it off in prison. And so that man is thrown into jail and the word starts to travel and other servants, they spread the word to the king. And when the king hears about it, the king is not happy. The king calls him to his court and he says, why would you not forgive him of such a small debt when I forgave you of such a large debt? And he said, you go to prison. And so he was imprisoned until he could work it off, which meant forever. And I want you to see the connection here. Really what Jesus is telling us in this story is that unforgiveness is a prison. We might think we're putting other people in that prison, but we're putting ourselves in that prison. This is a great quote by Lewis Smedes. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. So here's what we're gonna do as we get ready to draw to a close. I'm gonna tell you one final story and then we're gonna have a moment where we pray. We're gonna have some people that come to the front in just a second. I'll tell you when at every campus. And we're gonna, we're gonna do some ministry time but I'm gonna end with this story. There's, there's a couple that's been coming to our church. They're an amazing couple. And in just the last month, God's been doing some crazy things in their life. And they were telling me their story just a couple of weeks ago. And about a year and a half ago, they went through a really difficult time. It was the darkest time in their marriage. And as they were walking through some of these dark moments, the wife did some very hurtful things to the husband, things that left him feeling very broken and feeling very alone, and also left him feeling like he could not forgive her for what she had done. And he said, I was the most bitter I've ever been, the most unforgiving I've ever been, and I, I couldn't see myself ever forgiving her for what she did. Well, they went through counseling. They, they told me, I think it was 30 or 40 counseling sessions, and nothing would work, nothing would heal their marriage. And just a couple of weeks ago, it came to a boiling point, and through a set of circumstances, he ends up spending a night in jail. And he's not the kind of person that you would ever see that happening. It was kind of a misunderstanding, but he was in jail nonetheless. And he knew he was getting out in a day, but it was like the longest day of his life. And as he's sitting in this cell, he got one phone call. And he started hearing God deal with him that that one phone call was supposed to be to his wife. And he was supposed to say, I forgive you and I release you. I won't hold this against you anymore. And he didn't want to do it, but something in him was softening and changing. And so he calls his wife with this one phone call. And he begins to say those words, I forgive you and I release you. And you have my word. I will never hold it over your head or bring it up one more time in the future. And you can't make this up. In the moment that he said that, like in that moment, the prison door clicks open. The security guard comes in and says, you are free to go. And so on that day, Here's what he told me. I was released from two prisons. I was released from that physical prison, but I was released from the prison of unforgiveness. And I think at every campus, we ought to take a second and thank God for what he did through that moment. So listen, this is what God wants to do. There's some healing that's gonna to happen today. I'm gonna to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes at every campus right now. And I'm gonna give the most simple altar call I've ever given. The person that has experienced church hurt more than anybody is Jesus. He came and laid down his life and the very people that he laid his life down for betrayed him and, and abused him and crucified him. And as he was hanging on the cross, you know what he said? He said, Father, forgive them 
for they know not what they do. And he said, I'm gonna give them my best when they're giving me their very worst. I'm gonna make an exchange, their sin for eternal life. And this is the gospel, this is the good news that you're forgiven, that your slate is wiped clean, that that prison, you're released from it and you can have a life full of God's hope and goodness and he can heal you of whatever it is that you're, that you're broken from. And so I wanna ask you at every campus online, if you can't remember a moment where you put Jesus in the driver's seat, I wanna give you an opportunity to pray with me. And church, can you help us? Can you pray together with me? And I believe this is what the Bible says. If we believe in our heart and we say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. Can you pray this with me? Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus, for the sacrifice, salvation in exchange for my sin when I didn't deserve it. Thank you that he gave me the free gift and I receive it today. I am a Christian and I won't be perfect, but every day I'll follow you, Jesus. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.